We're here on Sunday mornings learning about the wisdom of God and how we can grow in it. We're going to be over in, in Proverbs chapter 5. If you'll turn over there, there's a story, and it is allegedly true, told of the Reverend Billy Graham. Time in his early ministry, when he arrived in a very small town to preach a series of, of messages. Being a small town, wherever he was staying was pretty close to the center of town, so he had some business to transact and some mail to take care of. And so he was walking around the main street and he asked the young lad there, he says, uh, can you tell me where the post office is so he could buy some stamps and mail these letters? And so the uh, young lad pointed down the street and around the corner and so he knew where to go. And he told the young man, he says, young man, he said, I'm a preacher in from town and if you come out to the Baptist church tonight, I'm going to tell you how to get to heaven. And the little boy said to him, he says, I don't think I'll be there. He said, how come? He says, well, you don't know how to get to the post office. Well, sometimes the wisdom of God is not always perceived by those around us. Sometimes the wisdom of God is judged on things that we probably shouldn't do it, judge it on. But we want to become one uh, people that can recognize the wisdom of God when it comes to us. That we're not those that are foolish who just look past it, don't understand it. We're not those who despise it like the scornful. We saw the in the weeks past, what causes counsel to look like it is foolishness? Or what causes us to go after foolish counsel more than wisdom? We saw the cost, the appeal, the pressure, and the effort. These are things that generally uh, we, we look at the wisdom of God and the cost is higher. The appeal isn't there for our flesh. The pressure from other people to do the things of the world and the effort that it may take to do the things of God may not be appealing to us. We saw that wisdom is out in the open. Foolishness stays concealed. Proverbs told us in, in chapter 4, to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And then he says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. That we need to, to let our mouth, because that is how what is in our heart comes out. Matthew told us about that. Matthew, uh, what was the verse? Well, the Matthew 12, 34 through 37. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is how what's in our spirit comes out. You need to make sure that you keep that tie between what your spirit wants to utter and your mouth. Keep that tie going. Because if you tie it into your flesh, if you tie it into other things, if you have a, a perverse mouth, a de deceitful mouth, you cut off the life of God from you. You don't want to do that. We looked at how to despise the wisdom of God. Since many people do it, may as well learn how to do it so we can hopefully stop. We saw those who hear it but don't recognize it. Those are people who despise the wisdom of God. Those who pretend it is wise only to talk it down later. You ever had people do that? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And then an hour later, they're there talking it down. And the third is to give into a deceitful mouth and separate yourself from the life force given to you by God. Last week, we looked at Daniel. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, we saw that he was growing in the favor of God and in the favor of men. And we saw that the time to, to walk in a way such as to gain favor is, anybody remember? Before you need it. When you need favor, it is not time to try and walk in such a way as to gain it then. You need to be walking in a way to gain favor before you need it. Daniel said, uh, said of Daniel that he made a request of Ariel. Made a request. Even though he was probably something he believed strongly enough about that he would have uh, died for it. But he made a request. And he was, he was pleasant. He was nice. He was kind. He was not harsh in his words. He didn't become demanding. And this is the way that we grow in the favor of God. This is the way we grow in the favor of men. Don't be harsh. Don't be demanding. We didn't fill out the end of your outline last week. So if you have your outline and you were waiting for that, a couple of people mentioned it to me. You could have gone up in the uh, internet. It was up there if you wanted to see it. But if you didn't and you want that, what we had at the end was, if our ways are not ones of pleasantness, peace, and happiness, then wisdom is not our way. You probably could have pulled that from the verse we gave you in Proverbs 3.17. But if our ways are not ones of pleasantness, peace, and happiness, then wisdom is not our way. We're not walking in a way of wisdom. Our ways should be ways of pleasantness. They should be ways of peace, and they should be ways of happiness. That does not mean that we do not have evil people trying to do things to us does not mean that we do not have snares that are awaiting us all around. It does not mean that hardship does not come. 
But Paul, we saw in the midst of hardship, still had a way of peace and pleasantness. Jesus the same and others. We also put in your outline at the end, these traits are not a matter of where we are, but of the way we arrived. Too often people look at peace, pleasantness, and happiness as a place of where they are. I'm not in a place of pleasantness. I'm not in a place of happiness. It's not so much where you are, it's how you got there. How you got there. The way of wisdom. You follow the way of wisdom and any place you go, you will find peace, pleasantness, and happiness. No matter where it is that you are. Proverbs chapter 5. In Proverbs chapter 5, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. He says these kind of words very often, trying to get this home, that we need to keep wisdom in front of us. Pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. That's pretty direct. We have to understand that in this world, there are moral people and there are immoral people. Our goal is to be on the moral side. There's different kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of God. We see that there's a devilish wisdom. We saw that with Ahithophel. He had a wisdom, but it was a devilish one when he, he uh, was giving it to Absalom. The reason for it, it had no morals. There's a devilish wisdom that will get the job done, but it has no morals. It will compromise the word of God. Don't follow it. There is the wisdom of men, which before God is, it's foolishness. It's incomplete. It's inadequate. The wisdom, the devilish wisdom is an immoral wisdom, but God's is complete. God's is good. Follow after that. Pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve, preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now he's writing this to his son. So he's warning them against women, immoral women. If it was a daughter and he was writing, saying these things, he would have probably flipped it around because an immoral woman would not have attracted the daughter the way that it did the son. Put in your outline, all that is honey is not sweet. And this is what he says about this. The lips of an immoral woman, they drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. We've used the example before, but how many times in the movies, you know who the immoral woman is, you know who the immoral man is at the beginning of the movie. Many times, even before the movie itself, the plot itself identifies them, you can pick up on who the immoral character is. You know who the evil one is. And you know who the good person is going to be. You can just kind of pick it up. There's kind of, you know, for there's foreshadowing, there's stuff that goes on. And then you watch the whole time and you can read into everything that is being said. And you can pick out lips that drip as honey. But when in our own life, with our own selves, we have trouble. We struggle. That's why he says, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen to my words. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. In the end, this is what you have to watch out for, is the end. Remember, wisdom knows the end when? At the beginning. That's wisdom. The wisdom of God knows the end at the beginning. So when people come along and try and, and sway you off track with their perverse words, with their lips that drip of honey, you're going to pick up on it. No, no, that's the wrong way. Don't go that way. Don't go in that direction. That's not the, that's not the way to go. And there are people out there that are like this. Now, of course, no one who would speak things to you. <laughs> Other people. But no, they're out there. If they're, they're trying to get you, you got a target on your back. You are a Christian. The devil wants to bring you down any which way he can. He doesn't care which way, who he has to use. He'll use all kinds of folks. And they'll send them along your way. I told you the story before. I'll tell it to you again just real quick. First time I saw this in practice was when I was working at Ken's Pizza. I just started there. And uh, I heard conversation. I'm brand new in the place, just, uh, just going on. Brand new, brand new in there. And there's a guy in there who claimed to be a Christian, but his life didn't demonstrate it as such. And claimed to be a, a few things, and he just, he just, his life wasn't there. And so these two women, these two uh, waitresses, were going around, and they were speaking about how they were going to get him out of this party and how they were going to bring him down. 
They had no attraction to him at all. They had no connection. They despised him. But they were going to act real nice. They were going to, they, they divulged their plans. I don't know if they were, I didn't pursue whether they actually, uh, did it or not. But if that young man would have let wisdom direct his way, he would have been fine. We don't need to do that. Don't, uh, just know the people are out there. When they're in front of you, they're not going to divulge what it is they're doing. Wisdom shouts from the streets. What is, uh, what does foolishness do? stays concealed. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Wormwood was a, a substance, I think it was a bark, a, a type of bark, and you would chew it. And when you chewed it, it gave you an incredible high. But then afterwards, it left a nasty afterbite. And uh, its its bite afterwards was far worse than that. That's what I'm told that, the, that this was. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You've got a two-edged sword. You've got a single-edged sword. You've got to be careful. You got a two-edged sword. You better not be playing around with it. You better know what you're doing. You'll get hurt. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. You get connected with women like this, or if you're in case of a, if you are a woman, a man like this. If you get connected with them, their ways are unstable. They will bring you down. Don't go with them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from my from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. What's that telling you? Stay away. Keep out. Don't go near. This is what it's telling us. We got to make sure that we do it. We got to make sure that we listen. Listen to what is being said. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Now, we're talking here specifically, he's talking to a single young man and some woman who wants to come along and, and woo him away. But there's all kinds of evil people out there who want to try and woo you into certain things. Financial schemes. Some, some kind of buy that you, that you need to have. And they're going to use some, some ways that seems like they're lips drip of honey. Be careful with them. Don't go after it. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. So he says, specifically, remove your way, the way that you're walking, remove your way far from her. That's not seeing how close you can get. That's going far away. If you do not, you will, I put this in your outline for you. If you do not, if you don't remove your way far from her, you will become involved. If you get involved with the immoral woman, and you get hurt, whose fault is it? It is not God's. If bad stuff happens to you because of that relationship, what happens? Is it God's fault? No. But how many Christians will say, God, how come this happened to me? Why am I going down? Why, why did I get hurt like this? Why did it? No, it's not God's fault. God said, stay out of there. We didn't stay out of there. We went into it. And guess what? Now, we can, we can just look at things, you know, just in the natural. How many of y'all know your bodies will tell you certain things about what to do and what not to do? Uh, certain foods eat, eat certain foods, and you find out my body doesn't like that food. And so what do you do the next time? Stay away, stay far from it. <laughs> That's the thing that you do. When I was younger, you know, I used to, we used to go to the music parts and do the different things. And uh, I like the roller coasters. I like the fast rides, but I like the round and round rides, too. Later on in life, my body was telling me we don't like the round and round lines as much. And so I limited myself and I did my, I said, all right, three. I'll do three round and round rides and then at number one down to two and then the number one down to one. I don't do them at all anymore. <laughs> round and round, no, I don't need to do that. That just ruins my whole day. I get dizzy. I get my body saying, don't go there. So we know what I do? I don't go. I go in the fast and the furious. We go stay away from the round and round. Now, my wife likes the round and round. She does fine with the round and round. Her body's not telling her anything about that. And so she goes round and round. So uh, I'll watch. But you, know, you, you get certain warnings. You get certain signs of things that you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't go in that direction. So don't. Once, when you can become involved, there are three levels that you can become involved in. First off is physical. You can get physically involved with somebody. And that will get you a connection. The Word of God says that to be physically joined to a harlot or an adulteress or something like that, there's a physical bonding that's there. Secondly, there's an emotional one. 
there's an emotional level that you, you get to. We get bonded emotionally, especially when you, I mean, you can become physically bonded just, you know, in a uh, one-night stand, as they call it. But you can get emotionally bonded if you start hanging around for too long. You can get emotionally bonded. You become bonded to that person emotionally. And the third is spiritual. That's a little deeper yet. Physical, emotional, you can go, sometimes get bonded emotionally before physically or sometimes physically before emotionally. But you'll generally have both of those things going on before you get involved spiritually where your spirit is actually tied to the spirit of the other person. That's harder to break. That's harder to get out of. Sometimes people go to God and say, God, I feel so so uh, involved, so bonded to this person. And God says, I told you not to go near it. And we get ourselves into trouble. It says, remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Verse 9, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Remember what wisdom comes with? Honor is in one hand. And what's in the other? Length of days, riches. We got all these things in the hands of wisdom. If you don't go the way of wisdom, if you become joined to them, you're taking those things that wisdom brought to you and you are giving them to someone else. He says, if you do this, if you go near her house, if you go by her way, you will give your honor to others. Here's my honor. Apparently, I don't need it. Here you go. Here's my years. Here, I don't need it. Here you go. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your laborers go to the house of a foreigner. We shouldn't do that. You don't need to do that. And you, and, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Your health is gone here in the end. You can, you can lose your health. I put these in your honor. Lest you give your first off your honor. Secondly, your years. Third, your wealth. And fourth, your health. Honor, years, wealth, health. This is what you're going to give away. When you get involved in these kind of relationships, you are, the Word of God is warning us. You will give away your honor. You will give away your years. You will give away your wealth. You will give away your health. That's what he's telling us will happen. Verse 12. And say how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. Now you realize it. Oh, I should have listened. Oh, when mom and dad told me to stay away from that one, I should have listened. Oh, when the word of God pinpointed that this one wasn't right for me, I should have listened. Yeah, it's always good to say that afterwards. You know, it's, it's amazing how many good quarterbacks we have on Monday. How many right decisions they would have made come Monday. But come Sunday when you're back in the pocket and you got the ball and you got five seconds to make a decision. <laughs> That's not quite as easy. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. And I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly in the congregation. You're going to give away your years, your honor, your wealth, and your health. What are you going to get back? Nothing. Nothing. You are going to trade what has value for nothing of value. You're going to trade what has value for nothing of value. That's what you end up doing. Here's something that has value. I'm going to give it and I'll get something back that is worthless. Something that has value for something that has, that it, that has no value. Proverbs 5.15 Drink water from your own cisterns and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets... Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. A lot of euphemisms in here, but the, uh, the, the woman is called the sister and the man is called the fountain. You can draw your conclusions from there. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Boy, don't go astray. Don't be one of the ones who's going to go off here in the wicked way. Understand that these people are out there. They are trying to get you. Satan will use them to pull you down. And they will appear to you to be very genuine. 
but don't follow it. Don't go after it. Here's an example in Judges chapter 16. This is one that's familiar with you. Verse 4. After it happened, uh, afterward, it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. You all know who this is? Samson. Look at verse 4 again. After it happened. After what happened? Or afterward it happened. What was it? <laughs> afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Should he have loved this woman? This is the Philistine woman. His parents had counseled him before. Why is it you keep going after these Philistine women? They're no good. They're not following after God. They're idolaters. Go after one of the Israelite women. Go out and go over here. No, I don't want to do that. And he despised their advice. He despised their direction. He went his own way. One after another. This one, we have her name. We don't have the names of all the others, but this one, we have her name. Her name is Delilah. That name has become to mean all kinds of things in this day. None of them good. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So we're all going we're, we're, we're we're to buy you is what they're saying. We want to pay you a large sum of money if you will do this, which she agreed to. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you will be bound to afflict you. Now, remember, Samson is under the anointing of God. Samson has an anointing on his life to do the work of God. And every once in a while, he actually does it. Not often, but every once in a while, he, he does uh, walk, walk in the anointing and, and does these things that he's supposed to do to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And so she comes up to him. He says, oh, please, now bats the eyes. There's all the things that Proverbs says. Tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. What do you think of a woman who comes up to you, man of great strength, not a great appearance, but just great strength, and says, you know, how could I bind you up so that I could afflict you? If you want to see how stupid people can become who are so-called in love, this is what you can do. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I should become weak, be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. How did she do it? He was asleep. Why is he sleeping over at her place? Don't really have to answer that, do we? And she bound him with, with them. Now, now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. Okay, I told you what I could be bound with. It wasn't true and you used it against me. I was asleep with you in, in your place and all of a sudden I'm bound with these things. You would think that Samson would wise up. Wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you th understand, please understand this. If you walk in the way of Samson, you can be just as much of an idiot. Absolutely just as much of an idiot. Do not think you're above this. You get the right person looking at you, batting those eyelashes, flexing those muscles, doing whatever they need to do, speaking those nice flattering words. They can sweep you off your feet and you will do something this stupid. That's Samson. Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men are lying in wait, staying in the room. And he broke them off his arms like a thread. All right, first off, how did he get bound by these ropes? Now, they are new ropes. How did anybody find out about this? How did the Philistines get in the house? <laughs> Why are they wait, waiting for him in the room? He broke them off like a thread. No problem. Isn't it amazing that the anointing of God is still on, the, on a guy being this stupid? following after this path? It surely is. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into a web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can, I, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? 
You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. Now, the last one, he got kind of close. He was getting to his hair. The other times, he wasn't even close. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. What would be the wise thing to do in this situation? Leave. Walk away. Realize you are in a bad situation. But what happened? He was in love with her. When you become in love with, when you fall in love with the wrong people, what happens? You become bound. There's a, there's a bond that's there. Physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is. And you do stupid stuff. We all can, this is like watching a bad movie. Right? We, we know what's going to happen. You know it. We don't wonder. That's what's going to happen. That's what they're going to do. Sure enough. That's what it does. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, Come up once more for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistine came up to her and brought the money in her hand. And that she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she became, began to torment him and his strength left him. Now she had to persuade these guys to come up again because if Samson got free, what happened to the guys who were in the room? Samson does not take prisoners. In any of the battles we have seen, he does not, take, he does not uh, let them retreat. If they're enemies, if they come after him, he kills them. So more than likely, the first three groups that were up there, he killed them. And they got to get some other guys. And the other guys are saying, I'm not going up there. She's setting us up. So she had to do something to convince them that, hey, this is the, this is the right one. So she lulls him to sleep, calls for a guy to shave his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. This woman that he's in love with, this woman that he thinks loves her, or loves him, torments him. Because he's weak now. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grind in the prison. What is it that the Word of God said that we would lose? You would lose your honor. You would lose your years. You would lose your wealth. You would lose your health. What did Samson lose? He lost his honor. He was dishonored. He was put into the prisons and he was made to walk around and be, be part of the grind. He lost his years. He died early. He lost his wealth. He has nothing left now. He may have had wealth before. Whatever he had is gone. He lost his health. His eyes are put out. He's not given the food that he had before. Exactly what the Word of God said, what happened, happened to Samson. A man who had the anointing of God on him, who walked in that anointing. Do not think that you will not be as stupid if you walk in that way. When the Word of God says, do not go near the door of her house. Stay out of her way. Don't do it. Don't go near them. There are people out there who will bring you down. I know that they don't intend to. I know that's not. The, it doesn't matter whether they intend to or not. Delilah intended to. But it doesn't matter if they intend to or not. They will bring you down. And that's what the Word of God is telling you. Stay away. It's got some more warnings to give us on those things, but it's going to go off here in uh, another direction. And here we have uh first area we saw was bad people in chapter 5. Now we're going to see some bad promises. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth and you are taken by the words of your mouth. How many people have ever heard that? Snared by the words of your mouth. Yeah, what this is talking about here is that when you have become surety, when you have become uh, a guarantee or collateral, when you take them, when they say, can you uh, co-sign on a loan for me for a car? And, and they want you to go into the bank and to sign the things, which says that if they don't pay it, you will. You have a better credit rating than they do. They don't, they don't pay it, you, you will. Now, you might do this for your son, your daughter. You might do this for your kids. It's different. It doesn't say kids. It said who? Friend. Don't do this for a friend. Don't do it. But they're a good friend. It didn't say except for good friends. It said, my son, if you become surety for who? Your friend. 
Don't do it. Would you do it for your enemy? No, so he's not warning you about that. The one that you would do it for is a friend. The closer the friend, the more likely you are to do it. He says, don't do it. Do not do it. Don't become surety for your friend. If you have, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the land of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of, a, of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. See, there are some things you can do to build friendships and there are some things you can do to tear them down. In this area, do not become surety for a friend. Don't do it. It's not saying you can't loan money to a friend. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying when there is a loan that is bigger than you were able to supply and you go to a third party and you say to this third party, you can come after me if they don't pay. Don't do it. Don't do it. You might do it for your kids. That's a different relationship there. Don't do it for a friend. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But yeah, but don't do it. Real clear about this. Don't do it. If you do it, if you have already done it, don't sleep. Get her back over there. <laughs> Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes. Just say, you got to let me out of this. we got to go back to the third party and say, no, we can't do it. There are some things that are good to build up a friendship. There are some things that are going to break it down. That's one of the things that will break it down. Don't go after it. Stay out of that area. In Proverbs uh, 6, 6, we pick up with some bad pursuits, some things you should not pursue. Here we go. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provide her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. He says, go to the ant. Go sit down there and watch the ants. Watch what they do. If you ever go out there and you watch the ants, they're all working. Always working. All summer long, they're out there gathering food. Gathering food. They gather more food than they can eat in a day. They go out there and they gather some more food the next day. They go out the next day and they gather more food. They go out the next day and they gather more food. No one's telling them they had to do it. They got nobody in charge over them telling them to do it. As soon as they get up, they go and they work. They work, they work, they work, they work, they work. He says, you, you look at that. Basically, he's saying they know how to plan ahead and to work each day with the future in view. You've got to work each day with the future in view. If you say, well, I don't have any bills due today, I can, I can call in sick. No, that's not what you should do. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. If you do not work with the eye for the future, poverty is going to come on you. That's what he's saying. Get to work. Get to work. Don't be, you you see some young people, they're out there, they they work maybe 20 hours a week. Well, I don't have to work any more than that. They work 10 hours a week. Some of them don't work at all. Don't don't let that go on. Get those young people to understand. Go to to work. Go to work. Be working towards something. If you got a business, build the business. If you got a job, go to the job. If they offer overtime at the job, what should you do? Take the overtime. Just, Just work. Oh, but I need the rest. (laughs) It's not what the Word says. The Word says work. He says, how many days you shall labor? Six days you shall labor. The Bible doesn't say five. The Bible says six. Six days you shall labor. He wants you to work. God wants you to work. God, God, God enjoys seeing His people work. God worked. Seventh day He rested. But God worked. Jesus came down. He did ministry. He worked. It's, a, it's good to work. If you're in school, that's considered working. <laughs> you're working for the future. Don't, don't get all, all, all condemned about that. There's times to go to school. And then after you get done school, what are you going to do? You're going to work. You're going to have a job. You're going to work. You're going to be working. That's what you should be doing. In this country, we've got too many people that are going into... Young people. Now, I'm not talking about people who are disabled, people that are old and retired. I'm talking about young people that are getting on Medicare and Medicaid and and getting on Social Security and disability and all sorts of stuff, and you're staying at home not working. That's not right. That's not Bible. That's not what the Word of God says to do. It says get out there and work. Find something to do. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? You may like to work, but you take a week off and just watch daytime TV and 
eat bonbons and whatever else that you do in the, the daytime, you can kind of get used to that real fast and begin to say, oh, I'm not going to have to do that anymore. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. What kind of a response do you think you're going to get from God if you follow this lazy way and come into a place of poverty? What's God going to say? I warned you. I told you this would come up. You didn't want to listen. I put in your outline, beware of too much non-productive time. God wants your time to be productive. He wants you to do things with your time. Beware of too much non-productive time. Verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. Well, what do you mean when they wink from their eyes? They're sending nonverbal signals to try and communicate to you. What does wisdom do? Wisdom shouts in the streets. It's not subtle. It's not trying to be uh, hidden. So when people wink at you, trying to get a, a, a signal across the way that nobody else can pick up on, is that good? Nope, it is not good, so stay away from that. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles his feet, he points with his finger, perversity is in his heart, he devises evil continually, he sows discord. He's describing people. These are wicked people. Don't, don't be doing that. Don't be going out there. You shouldn't be pointing with your finger. You see that one over there? That one's, Don't point with your finger. <laughs> don't be messing with it. Who can you take care of? I can take care of me. If you got some people who will listen to you, sit them down, talk to them. But when you're pointing to the finger, you're speaking to someone who's not involved and you're pointing out somebody else and going to you know, talk about what, they're, what they need to do. Don't be doing that. Stay out of that area. This is the wisdom in the Word of God. This is Proverbs. It's in there for a reason. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. Now, here's some evidence of a worthless person. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. So we got a list of six things and then the seventh one is being added on. Here's, here they are. A proud look. What does God say about, the, uh, about those who are pride, prideful? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yep. A proud look. You ever see, have you seen that with people? They're just standing there. they got that smug, proud look on their face. What does that do? To you. You don't, you don't like it either, do you? What's God say about it? It says it's one of the things the Lord hates. doesn't just dislike. It says the Lord hates it. You understand that's pretty strong. When you see a person with a proud look and it does something to you on the inside, you're on the God side. Just make sure that you don't have that proud look too. Don't go that way. A proud look, a lying tongue. A lying tongue. Does not like lying tongues. Does not like... People go around telling lies. God does not like that. He hates that. The devil is a liar. You're following after that. Stay out of that. Hands that shed innocent blood. It doesn't talk about people that, that are in the military or you know in a, in a battle somewhere. It's talking about innocent blood. People out there didn't do anything and they just come over and kill them. And we see about that sometimes. The stories come out in the news. Somebody... Some guys just went around, found somebody just to feel like what it was to kill somebody or just because they were mad at something else or just took it out. on It's shedding innocent blood. God hates that. If God hates it, why does it go on? Because the will of God is not done on earth as it is in heaven just yet. That's why we're praying those things. A heart that devises wicked plans. Don't ever be one who devises wicked plans in your heart. Don't, don't ever do that. But God hates the ones who devise wicked plans. There are people out there who, who sit around and they devise wicked plans. Nasty things to do to people. How to hurt people. How to bring people down. God hates it. Feet that are swift in running to evil. I know that's wrong. I know that's illegal. I know that's not right. But they are swift to running that way. They don't avoid it. They don't try it. They're not being sucked into it. They're not being tempted and being pulled in. They run. They see it. Oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go this way. This is the way of evil. Feet that are swift to run to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. A false witness is one who is witnessing against someone else. And they speak things they know are not true. 
for the purpose of being a witness against them. This is what he's talking about. He's not just talking, we already talked about lies, a lying tongue. This is someone who would stand up and become a witness in a case and simply say, I saw, I heard, so-and-so did, and it's not true. God says he hates it. If you ever get involved in a situation and someone has spoken lies about you, now you better have the wherewithal to admit when someone is saying something that is truth. Because everything that is evil said about you, everything that is wrong that you don't like, may not necessarily be wrong. <laughs> it may have been right. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I did do that, and I shouldn't have. You'll walk in more favor with people that way. A false witness who speaks lies. There are false witnesses that will be brought up and they will speak lies about us, about you. And God says He hates it when people do that. And here's the seventh one. And one who sows discord among brethren. One who sows discord among brethren. Up until now, the first six things are things. They are things. I put in your outline this. Six are things people do. Six of these things, the first six, these are things that people do. People lie. People have proud looks. People have hands that shed innocent blood and so forth. But here's the seventh one, and one who sows discord among the brethren. The seventh is something people become. The first are six things that people do. The seventh is something that people become. They have become not a lying tongue, not, not talking about their feet, not talking about their hands. It's talking about one. It's talking about the entire person. And one, he's talking about the complete person, not any part of them. Not the hands, not the heart, not the feet. One who sows discord among the brethren. They have become one who sows discord. God, does, God says, I not only hate that, it is an abomination to me. Six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to Him. So all are an abomination. This one, they are, they are an abomination. Oh, He hates this. He despises this. This is that one. This is one, a person who has become this. And that's, what the, that's where they are. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. I've mentioned this many other times, but this is why I have such an aversion for the news media and why many in the political spectrum are ones that I'll bring up all the time because they are doing these things that God says He hates. And they do them on a continual basis. If people continually walk this way, they are not people of God. These are people that are doing things that God hates. What are the things? A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. He goes on in verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually around your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. Well, these are things that uh, he's, he mentions over and over again. because He wants this to get down. He's, he's repeating this over and over. He repeats this because he wants this to get into them. Keep them upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. Wherever you go, they're going to lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a, is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. If you go through your life and you have not been reproved by the Word of God, if you have not been corrected by the Spirit of God, if you have not had your way altered at all by the things that God has put into this world, it's not good. God should be continually doing this. Look at it this way. Are we perfect yet? No. If we're not perfect, then our way can still be made better. So we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Do not let her allure you 
with her eyelids, for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Now that verse, you could read over that and miss all the meaning of it. It is saying something right here, and it has the same meaning for, for women with guys as it does with men with women. Look at it. For the means, for by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. If you're wondering what in the world does that mean, it sounds very poetic, but maybe not very meaningful. It is not that at all. What is saying this is this. A harlot is a one that you go out and you hire, and you have become just simply the day's bread. That's all you are, is the day's bread. But an adulteress doesn't need today's bread. She's already married. She has a husband who's providing for her. She has a house. And this they, they weren't working themselves, so she has a husband who was providing for her. She was at home. She was bored. And she decided to go out after you. And what he is saying is this. She's not after your money. She's not looking for money to get by today. She is looking for lives. Lives to ruin and lives to spoil. That's her purpose. The harlot, sure, is one level of evil. The adulteress is a far, no, whole other thing. And you get involved with people like this, they are not your friend. They may seem friendly, but he's telling you this is what they're after. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Do not let her allure you with your, her eyelids. If you find people, folks, that are out over it in, in the, wrong, the, wrong, the wrong people, don't go after them. Don't be attracted to them. Just tell yourself, I am not attracted to that one. You can do that. You can do, you tell yourself that. That's what you need to do. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread and adulteress will prey upon his precious life. So a harlot is out for your money. She's just trying to make a living. But the adulteress, she doesn't have that need. She's after you. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? If I had a lighter right here and I put that lighter inside my coat pocket, what would happen? If I, lit, if I had that lighter lit, it was a flame and I put it in my... You would say, what a fool. Why would you do that? Why would you bring fire into your... Your course is going to catch on fire. That's stupid. Don't do that. Can one walk on hot coals and not have his feet get seared? We got hot coals out there. Say, I get, oh, I got a great idea. I'm going to take off my shoes and I'm going to walk across the hot coals. You would say, you dope. That's good. You're going to get burned. You're walking on hot coals with no shoes on. You're going to get burned. Whoever, so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Isn't that right? If a person goes out and they steal food to feed themselves, all right, that's bad. He shouldn't have done it. But, hey, you know, we don't despise that in the same way. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. If he took a loaf of bread, what's he got to pay back? Seven times a loaf, seven loaves of bread. He may have to give up all his substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. And he will accept no recompense. Nor will he appease, though you may give him many gifts. When two people get involved in an adulterous relationship, it is not the same thing as, as one who has stolen bread because if you steal a loaf of bread, you can give seven loaves back. If you get involved in an adulterous relationship, what you have taken cannot be repaid. There is no cost. There is no price to it. It cannot be repaid. You are taking something that you can never repay. And that's what he's saying. Now you're in bad, bad shape. Don't be doing it. And he's not talking about repaying God. He's talking about the people that you're around. Well, wisdom will reveal the bad people before they get close to you. That's the whole idea of wisdom. Wisdom will reveal the bad people before they get close to you. Wouldn't that be good? How many have ever had bad people get involved with them before? Wisdom will reveal the bad people before they even get close to you. And you'll say, oh, that's a bad one. I don't want to get close. Doesn't mean that you're not going to try and help them, get them out of their badness, get them into the goodness of God. But um, uh, no, uh, there, there's certain things you just don't don't do. It gets rid of the bad promises before you make them. How many have ever made a bad promise in your life? You made a promise and you, you're still paying for it. Oh, I wish I hadn't t said that to that person. I'd do this. 
Bad promises before you make them. And third, bad pursuits before you follow them. The wisdom of God will help you to avert bad pursuits before you follow them. Once you follow a bad pursuit, you're on the bad road. Once you're on the bad road, you're going to face those things that are on that road. Wisdom will help you to avoid it. And that's the idea. Wisdom helps you avoid the bad people, avoid bad promises, and avoid bad pursuits. But only if you listen to wisdom, the voice of instruction, and heed its correction. You've got to listen to the instruction that comes from wisdom and the correction that comes from it. We don't always like correction. When we got correction from mom and dad, what do we say about that? Oh, that's not right. Oh, that's not good. I don't like that. We can despise it. We can look down upon it. It's, it's not good. We, if you do that, you're going to get hurt. You know, my, my dad and I, we, uh, for, for a long while, when I was in high school and such, we didn't get along at all. We had, we had a very hard time getting, get, getting uh, along. His job pushed him, if he wasn't already, he was, he was there to become a pessimist. He could find out what was going to go wrong before it ever did. But his, his view was always towards what would go wrong. That was his job. His view would do, and he was very good at it. He could find out, he could find a hundred things wrong that's going to happen to that thing before you ever did it. Well, see, I was not a pessimist. I was an optimist. And so I wanted to see that I could see a hundred ways right it could go. And he could see a hundred ways wrong. So we're both looking at the same thing. I'm seeing all the good that can come from it. He's seeing all the bad that can come from it. And we didn't mix very well. We eventually, I eventually got to the point where I went out and bought my own TV set. And took it up to the stairs and put it in my room simply because I couldn't watch an Eagles game with him. Something as simple as watching an Eagles game because after every play, he'd tell me all the things that went wrong and I just enjoyed the good things that happened in that play. And after a while, I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and I grew to almost despise any wisdom that came from him. And that's not a good thing to do. I had to learn how to hear what my dad had to say who was a pessimist without closing that off, even though I wanted to remain an optimist. I had to listen to, to that. And that was a lesson that I had to, had to learn because there was some wisdom to be gleaned from the things that he said. There were some things that could be avoided. That was something I had to learn to do. Do not despise correction when it comes. God will send it through people and you not, cannot despise it. You've got to listen. Sometimes there are some people who have gone on a path. I ask God about this sometimes. There are some people that have gone down a path and they're on a, in a place where no one can speak to them anymore. You try and tell them about their life, why their life is this way, you, know, you can't point point to why they're there. They have followed after a way. Because they followed after a way, they are resistant to the voice of wisdom. And you can't speak to them anymore. I ask God, just says, you know, how do you reach people like that? Simple. Don't. Go that way. Don't go that way. It's imperative. If you go down the wrong path, if you go down the wrong way, you will resist the voice of wisdom when it comes. And it will do you no good. And you won't get out of those things. But wisdom wants us to help us help us avoid bad people, bad, bad promises, and bad pursuits so that we don't get in the wrong way. Now, I put this in your outline. Experience can teach you this. Have you ever heard experience is the best teacher? It is not. Experience is a vicious teacher. Wisdom is the best teacher. I'll, give, I'll put it to you this way. Wisdom is like a coach on the sidelines. Experience is out on the field. If the player comes over to the sideline and the coach says, Son, when you get out on the field, I want you to block him this way. And you get out in the field and you say, Coach said he wants me to block him this. I'm not sure how that works, but I'm going to do what Coach said. And he did what Coach said and he blocked him that way and it worked. And that was good. And if, but if he gets on out there and he says, All right, well, Coach says to block him this way. I don't know that that's going to work. I'm going to do what I, I, I think I should do. And he does his own way. And he gets uh, you know, knocked into next week. Gets a concussion. Breaks a leg. All sorts of things happen because he did it wrong. Whose fault is it? It's his own fault. But you see, experience taught him. That's not the way to do it. But there's a lot more pain involved. I put this in your outline this way. Experience can teach you this, but not from the sidelines and not without damage occurring. If you learn things by experience, you will also become damaged. 
if you learn things from the wisdom of God, you won't have the same damage. You just do it the right way. So much better. Listen to what the voice of God has to say. God wants to speak wisdom to you. You don't just have to learn it by the school of hard knocks. You don't have to just learn it by experience. You can learn it by wisdom. And God will tell you. Should I get involved with that person? Well, what's the Word of God say about that person? How are they responding? How are they acting? Should I make that promise? Well, what's the Word of God say about that promise? Should I get involved in that pursuit? Should I go in that way? What's the Word of God say about that pursuit? What's it say about the, the things that are surrounding it? Is the person clouded in secrecy? Or are they publicizing it out in the open? That's one way you can tell. There's ways that you can get this figured out. There's ways that you can that will help us out with this. Next week, we're going to be looking at something in particular because one person may hear the wisdom of God and see wisdom, see instruction and receive instruction. Someone else may see something good, but that's all. They just see something good. Someone else is going to, we're going to see different stages of things. We're going to be looking specifically at when the voice of wisdom comes, how does a wise person respond How does a simple person respond? How does a foolish person respond? And how does a scornful person respond? How do these things happen? I asked God for wisdom on this because we remember back when um, uh, Joe was here, he was teaching on those four things. And so I was asking God about this in this this series with wisdom. I said, God, when when wisdom comes, when some of the examples we've seen in the Word of God, when wisdom is spoken, how does a wise person respond? Well, we can kind of figure that out. They listen and they do it. How does a scornful person respond? How does a foolish person respond? How does a simple person respond? And so what happens was I was given different situations in the Word of God. And we can, we can tell exactly. If you responded this way in this situation, you were either wise, foolish, scornful, or simple. And you'll be able to tell exactly what it is. Thank God He gives us the wisdom when we need it. Because it's imperative that we know. There are many things that we as Christians have responded to in a simple way and have erred and come into much trouble. And we're not. And if you can identify how it was that I came upon this too simply and dismiss the wisdom of God, you can identify and keep yourself out. Keep yourself in, uh, out of trouble. Oh, I'll tell you what, it would be a good thing. We'll get into that next week. We'll be into, into that area. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you speak wisdom to us. To keep us away from the bad people that would try and bring us down. To keep us away from the bad promises that would be anchors to us. To keep us away from the bad pursuits that would pull us out into ways where we were in places and seeing things that we're not supposed to be. And we just can't even hear your wisdom anymore. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to overcome, to be victorious, and to win. That in all things, we will seek after wisdom. We will seek after understanding. We will seek after the knowledge of God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we end the service today, it is our communion Sunday. And as our ushers are going around with the elements, The Word of God tells us to ponder our way, ponder our path. We see that wisdom wants to give us instruction. Wisdom wants to give us correction. What is God speaking to you? What is God trying to get you to correct, trying to get you to change? You don't need to go around telling everybody about it. If God's speaking it to you, just listen to what God says and do it. Change it. Alter it. Listen. Because if we take the wisdom that God gives us and make those corrections then God is able to make more. God is able to make others. But we've got to take the first ones that He's given us and listen. We've got to do what He has said to do. What has God been speaking to you about? Are there people in your life, important people, that others are trying to separate you from? Remember we looked in the Word of God and we saw how associations were important. Ahithophel, when he was associated with David, soared to become the greatest counselor in the land when he severed that association and he associated himself with Absalom, what happened? He died shortly thereafter 
And how did that happen? A wedge came in with Bathsheba. And the devil used it to get a separation between Ahithophel and David. Because he knew as long as that association was intact, Ahithophel would continue to soar. If Ahithophel continued to soar, what would happen with David? He would continue to soar. He's got to try and bring that down. Judas had an association with Jesus. Was it a good association? Was it going to help him? It sure was. But the devil found an inroad through money to get him to despise that association and to cut it off. There are associations that we have in our life. People, people that God has put in our life to speak to us, to help us. Teachers. There are associations that we have. They are important. Don't ever despise the correction that comes from those associations, from those places in the Word, because they're there to help you. They're there to pull you in a long, a right way. If you sever the associations, you can sever the prosperity that God wants to bring you into. God doesn't want you to do that. But just know the enemy does. The enemy does. He wants to see you lose those associations because if he can get you separated from them, and then he, we can go over more examples in the Word of God. Remember the king we looked at? As long as he would follow the God all the days of Jehoiada the king or Jehoiada the priest. As soon as Jehoiada went away, other people came in. Rehoboam had associations. He, had, he could have associated himself with his father's counselors instead of he associated himself with others. What happened to him? Associations are big. Let God bring you into the right ones. When they're there, keep them. Maintain them. Adultery, as I was talking about in the Word of God here today, is simply a way to tear apart associations in our life. Associations that are meant to strengthen us, not hurt us. And so the appeal of something else becomes great. Don't go after it. Those associations are vital. So we take the bread here today. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread represents the body of Jesus. His body was sacrificed, was beaten, was whipped. On his body was put the curse so we don't have to bear it anymore. As we eat together, let's remember, on him is the curse. Paul goes on, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's remember that our sins are covered or washed completely away. Because of the blood of Jesus. Nothing that we need to do. Nothing that we can add. It's what he did. Let's drink together. Remember, it's the blood of Jesus that washes us. Glory to God. Everybody have your prayers reports in? Have any others that uh, people were still writing out? Do I have any hint? No praise reports today? None at all. God was not busy this week. Well, we got one over there. All right. If you didn't uh, write yours out yet, go ahead and bring the... Uh, write it out and bring it uh, to one of our ushers. They'll bring it up here to us. For all the teachings from Pastor Joe McGee, Marty Blackwilder, Miss Ethel, and Pastor Steve about finances, it helped me to make a decision about the job I, the job oh, that you have now and to trust and listen and get wisdom from God about my finances. Praise God. Amen. I had um, this week what God did for me. Um, I've been doing a lot of study on healing and um, uh, that's just something that God's been, I guess, for the past year and a half really stressing for me. And I was listening to somebody on a YouTube clip the other day, and she was laying hands on people and said, see, it's just, it's easy. You just lay hands and you just, it's done. And um, I had had a pain in my shoulder because I, I tend to sleep on this side, and my shoulder was like all squinched up, and I had a pain there, and I, my elbow was, was bothering me. I said, you know what? And I did the same thing. I laid hands on myself, and I prayed, and immediately it was gone. 
And I laid hands on my elbow, and immediately that was gone. So then I started looking. Was anything else bothering me? <laughs> you know, something else would be gone. But um, that's just one of the things that, that God's been dealing with me about was with healing and how, you know, a lot of times, even just looking around today, it's discouraging when we know that we have the anointing, when we know that the Bible says, come, ask the elders of the church to anoint you with oil and to pray, and yet we let the enemy keep us home. Really let the enemy say, I'm sick, I don't feel good, I'm just going to stay in bed. Instead of going where the anointing is and going where people can. If you can't get lay hands on yourself and get the healing, go where the anointing is. The Bible says all the time how, you know, when they heard Jesus was in the house, they took the sick to him because they knew the anointing was there. And they got what they wanted to. So my encouragement is to you, if something comes up and the enemy tries to get you to stay at home and stay away from the anointing of God, don't let him. Say, no, I'm going to go and get my healing. I'm going to go and get what God has for me. Because, um, you know, the Bible also says we're supposed to stay in the presence of believers. You know, we're hearing about this today, about being careful who we associate with. But the Bible also talks about how not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together all the much more when we see the time approaching. I don't know about you, but everybody I talk to, they're getting lambasted by the devil. They're getting lambasted by circumstances and situations. And you know what? We're to come together on, on Sunday especially to get recharged because I know during the week we get bombarded with stuff. So if we can come together and get encouraged, you know, God says that let's do that. Now here's one from Jolly. So the sister called last week to praise God after our prayers with her. That month she became pregnant with her first child, and it's now four months old. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Mandy has one. It says, God came through in what seemed like a hopeless situation. He's faithful, and don't give up your hope. Glory to God. Amen. 